Would you stand with me and open your Bibles, if your digital devices, to Matthew chapter 6? I'm reading out of the New King James today because I think the language will help us a little bit better here. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either. He'll hate the one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Father in heaven, I ask that you would expose what the spirit of mammon is all about, that you would reveal it, that you would expose it. And Father, that it just wouldn't be a message preached, but it would be a word confirmed in the heart. Father, meet us here. Challenge our hearts, challenge our lives with your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You can be seated. Notice that it says you, you can't serve God and mammon. So whatever is meant by mammon here is being put on a level that can be served. Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible, and he was... Before he was a pastor, he was a Bible translator, and God called him in to the ministry, called him to a pastorate. He uses the word worship. Why would a Bible translator use the word worship instead of serve? Why would Jesus say you can't serve God and mammon? It's because it's not just money, as most modern versions will, will render it. It's a spirit. It's a spirit that's on money. In his book, Grounds for Living, Dr. Jack Hayford says, Jesus' naming in naming mammon identifies the spirit that controls the lust for financial power and the covetousness for money that dominates so much of society. That's why he calls it unrighteous mammon in Luke 16, verse 9. So we're talking about two spiritual realms that can be served, and this series that we're kicking off today is going to be about breaking the spirit of mammon and living by the financial principles of God's kingdom. So if money is is if money is not bad in and of itself, why did Jesus call it unrighteous mammon in Luke 16:9? Why did he use those terms? Because Jesus never said that money's bad. But he calls it unrighteous mammon. Why does he do that? Because let's be honest, money in and of itself, it's amoral. It's, it, it's not bad. But there is a spirit that is attached to money. If you look up that word mammon, it is the word riches. It's why most modern versions will render it or translate it as money. But it goes deeper than that. It's an Aramaic term that it says riches, but the, there was a Syrian god that was called Mammon. And so it is, it is a spirit that is more on money than it is speaking about money in and of itself. And so uh, I've listened to teachings. I've, I've been reading on this, and they believe that this goes back to the Tower of Babel that was being built um, the same spirit that was on those people that said, we're going to build this tower. It's going to reach towards heaven. And God said, look at what they're doing. They're united in their purpose. They're united in what they're doing. Nothing will be impossible for them. So he went down 
and he scattered their speech in Genesis chapter 11. That same spirit that was on the people that wanted to build that tower in the plain of Babylon is on money today if it is not honored, if it's not given an honor to God. So what's a spirit of mammon? A spirit of mammon says that I don't need God. Just like the people purposed in their heart in Genesis chapter 11, I don't need God. I have all that I need. And it, gets, it can get real confusing in the church today when it, when, it comes to, when it comes to money. Almost so much so that people will pray crazy, crazy prayers. You know, look, if, you know, you know, I need God to come through. If God doesn't come through, somebody needs to put, send a check in the mail or somebody almost like, you know, if I get what I want, God, I don't need you, I'm fine. How many times have you seen people that have prayed or they believe for something and the thing that they prayed for, once they got it, it was like they didn't need God anymore. You didn't see him come to church anymore. You, 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 you didn't, they kind of broke away because they, they got what they wanted. See, a spirit of mammon will give you what you want. That's why when we took the offering today, it says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, but he has no sorrow with it. See, a spirit of mammon, they can't, it can't give you happiness. It can promise peace and it can promise joy, but it, it can't deliver. People think that, that, that if, they, if, they had, if they had a bunch of money, they'd have all the help that they need. Money doesn't help you, God does. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord, Psalm 121. And it gets real confusing and it gets real, real blurred. And so as I was studying this, I thought, man, I, I, I've got to preach on this. I've never really preached on this in any kind of detail before. I thought, i got to tackle this, God. You're going to have to help me. And so let's begin to peel back the spirit of mammon. And we're going to look at, at scriptures um, in this series from, from Genesis to Revelation. And you're going to be shocked at how this comes into play in the end times in the weeks to come. It's going to blow you away. Things that you've, you're, going to, you're going to go, oh my gosh, I never thought about it. So many times as I was studying this stuff out, I thought I never put two and two together when it came to that. So if you think that this is just this message about tithing, you're missing the heart of it. It's so much deeper than that. Look at verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. I've kind of set all this up. It says, therefore. So whenever you see therefore, it's therefore reason, and it refers to what we just read. And so we just read that we can't serve God and mammon. It says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, not about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothing? So based on what we just read, that you can't serve God and a spirit of mammon, therefore, do not worry. So when you are worrying about your finances, you're, you're, you're serving them. You're serving them. Almost like if I, if I just had more money, if I, if, if I just had more, if I, if I just had that hundred bucks or if I just had that thousand bucks or if this was just paid off, then, then everything would be fine. You know, it probably wouldn't. How many people that became instant millionaires were right back in debt or probably in worse shape than they were before? I'm telling you, unless we understand how to recognize and honor God with money, we're going to think it's ours and it isn't because you're not taking it with you. And we're not going to know why God's brought it into our possession into the first place. And I believe when it comes right down to it, money is just a huge and enormous test. It's a test of our heart. How much could you handle? 
how much could, could come into your hands and you would, you would be honoring God and you would be glorifying God for it? Or do you really think that you've earned it all and that you've amassed it all and it was all because of your talents and your efforts and, and your hard work without any favor from God at all? I want to challenge that starting today. And I want to go after it. And I know it's kind of quiet in here because I'm messing, um, I'm messing a little bit. But I just want to challenge that behavior or that mindset. So I've already said that money is amoral. It has nothing to do with good or bad behavior. How it's handled has to do with our behavior, not money's, right? So how it's handled. Music is a spiritual influence too, but in and of itself, it's, it's immoral. I mean, there, you can't say that there's good and bad music because it's people that write and it's people that make music. Music doesn't have a spirit. People have a spirit. Money doesn't have a spirit, but it can be influenced by a spirit, just like music can. And so I don't, you know, I couldn't ask my son Corey to come up here and hit a godly drum beat or an ungodly drum beat. I couldn't ask Corbin to come up here and hit me a godly chord or an ungodly chord. Music isn't spiritual, people are. Money isn't spiritual, but there is a spiritual influence upon it, just like there is with music. And so I believe in financial security, but the motivation of the heart matters, and Am I, am I fearing what the future might bring and do all my fears revolve around money? Or am I really trusting, really trusting the Lord? Am I trusting the one who holds the future? Dr. Hayford says it's one thing to exhibit wisdom in the proper planning of your future and another matter entirely to cling on to resources because of fear for the future and a lack of trusting the Father's provision. Dr. Hayford goes on, when you make God your source and depend on his care, you become unshakable. So week one, how do we make God our source? Let's start at the beginning. Go to Matthew or Malachi chapter three. Malachi chapter three. And I know that you've heard these verses many times. I, I want you to really listen. Look at verse eight. I'm gonna read eight through 12. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Notice our giving has to do with God's house and, and the, the, the spiritual meals that are prepared here, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed for you'll be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. For the believer, a servant of the Lord, tithing is, it, it's a non-negotiable for the, for the believer, for the sold out believer. Tithing is is a non-negotiable, and I want to present four reasons why we should tithe. The first one is found in Leviticus 27. You know it's got to be spiritual if I'm in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 27. Look at verse 30. It says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. One of the first reasons you should tithe is because God commanded it. And 
let me just say this so that you don't say, you know what, that's, you're asking me to come under law. No, 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 I'm not. I'm just telling you what God commanded and called holy. It's holy. It's holy. So I shouldn't be eating. I shouldn't be spending what is holy and belongs to God. It's holy and it's the Lord. The tithe is holy. And if you look for it, you will find pictures and images of the tithe throughout Scripture in the Garden of Eden. You can eat from any tree in the garden except for the tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good. You can't eat from that tree. It was a tithe that was holy to the Lord. The Israelites crossed the, the Jordan River. The first battle that they face is Jericho. They could not touch any of the provision. It was holy unto the Lord. It was a tithe. The tithe is the first. It's the first. And the first is holy to God. The first tenth of our finances is holy to God. And it does not belong to us. We shouldn't touch it. We shouldn't eat it. It should go out. And so if I had five $20 bills in front of me up here on the platform and I were to ask you, you know, which one is the tithe? Is it the, the, is it the one on the far left? Is it the one on the, the far right? It's the first one spent. It's the first one spent. It's the first one that goes out. So when Lisa's making the bills off the first check, she writes, is the tithe check. It's the first one that goes out. And it's set aside. It's holy. It's God's. It belongs to God's. God commanded it. The second is in Matthew 23, 23. What are you guys doing? You're quiet out there. 23, 23. Jesus speaking. Said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. You've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Other versions will say, you should tithe, yes. These you ought to have done. You should tithe, yes, I believe is how the New Living words it. You should tithe, yes. So, number one, God commanded it. Second, Jesus commended it. You should tithe, yes. He commended the people for tithing. And he was speaking to the religious, the most religious people walking on the face of the earth. He said, you should tithe. Yes, God commanded it. Jesus commended it. Look at Deuteronomy 14, 23 for our third. Deuteronomy 14, 23, it says, And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide, the tithe of your grain, your new wine, and your oil, the firstborn of your herds and flocks, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. I believe the New Living says tithing teaches you to always place God first in your life. So God commanded it. Jesus commended it. And it shows that we are committed. God commanded. Jesus commended. And it shows that we are we are committed. We're putting God first in our lives. We're putting God first. And let's be honest, nothing messes with us like our money. Nobody wants to be told what to do with their, with their money. Man, that is my money. You don't tell me what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm reading the scriptures to you. If you're getting irritated, man, you take it up with the Lord. I'm just doing my job um, this morning. It's God's. 
It's God's. God commanded it. Jesus commanded it. It shows that we are committed. And then Deuteronomy 8. I love the 8th chapter of Deuteronomy. It's full. It's where we have great scriptures like verse 3. Man doesn't live by every... Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. I just love chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. It says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. God commanded it, Jesus commended it, shows we're committed, shows we're consecrated to God. God gives us the power to get wealth when we are sold out to him. See, God doesn't have a problem with money, people do. And I believe there are two spirits that can be attached to finances, one's ungodly and one's godly. One's holy, one's unholy. And a spirit of mammon is an unholy spirit that says, I'll give you what you want. You don't need God. You could, you could, I'll, 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 give you, I'll give you what you want. I'll give it to you right now. You don't need God. You don't need to believe God for that. You don't need to trust God for that. I'll give it to you right now. And therein lies the deception and therein lies the rub and therein lies the core of the issue that is going to come into play so severely in the last days. And we're going to talk about it in the weeks to come, but I'll give you a tidbit, just kind of bait you a little bit. The mark of the beast. Why did everybody take it that didn't know the Lord? Why will everybody take it? Because without it, they wouldn't be able to buy, sell, or eat. Let me challenge you, church. Let's not wait for the mark to come to trust God. And if we're alive and we're on the earth, when that goes down, it is going to be hairy and you are going to be trusting God like you never did before because you do not want to take that mark. Because taking that mark has eternal ramifications and you will be cut off from God forever when you take that mark. Study it for yourself. We are talking about a spirit right now that we're dancing, that we're courting, that we're kissing, and it is going to come to play in an enormous way in the last days. So we're going to cover it from Genesis to Revelation in the series. You're not going to want to miss it. it is, it's, it's bigger than tithing. It is a spirit that attaches itself to money and promises to give you everything that you could ever ask for. You don't need God. You don't want God. That is why we honor God with our money. That is why we give God the first and the best. He deserves it. Where would we be without him? We would be hopeless drug addicts and, and, and alcoholics in, on our second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh marriage. We'd be trying to reconcile with our kids who don't want anything to do with them because they've been so damaged because of all the decisions that we made. Where would we be without Jesus? And all he asks is for the, for the first tenth to honor him, and yet we struggle with that. I'm telling you, there's going to come a day where those that remain on the earth are not going to have 
a choice. It's going to be life or death what they believe. And it's nice to be living in America. Your faith isn't necessarily being held at gunpoint, even though they have, there have been shootings like in schools, like in Paducah, Kentucky, where stuff like that went down. I'm just saying it really hasn't hit America that hard yet. I mean, man, we're prosperous. If you're an American, you are loaded. You're rich. I don't care who you are. In America, we're rich. Compared to every other nation of the world, we're rich. And if, there is, if there's ever been a spirit of mammon on any nation, it's on America. And I'm so grateful that our founding fathers had the sense to put on our currency and God we trust, and they even tried to remove that. There's a reason why. Because it's not money that we trust, it's in God that we trust. Your God can't provide for you. He can change your life, but he can't provide for you. So this series is going to go after that. And don't worry, we're not going to be taking second offerings after every service, but we are going to challenge you. We are going to challenge you. We're going to challenge your heart.